Welcome to TCN Talks. The goal of our podcast is 15 to 20 minutes of relevant, need-to-know information to help you in your role as a hospice, palliative care, and serious illness leader, and for the team at all levels of the organization. Our goal is concise and relevant information because brevity signals respect. And the bookends of our podcast are always something to make you think deeper about life, about our topic, or both. And now, here's Chris Como. Hello and welcome. Before we get started today, I want to thank our sponsor, Delta Care X. Delta Care X is the title sponsor for all of our 2022 TCN Leadership Immersion courses. Delta Care X is a premier vendor of Telias Collaborative Network. They provide pharmacy benefit management services that allow their clients to experience deep discounts utilizing preferred local network of pharmacies that can provide same day delivery when necessary. So I want to thank Delta Care X for all the great work that they do for our hospice movement. Also, our next TCN Leadership Immersion course is the week of November 7th. This training has been reviewed as some of the most potent and powerful leadership training hospice and palliative care leaders have ever been through. Join us. Go to telios, T-E-L-E-I-O-S, cn.org and look at courses and sign up for our next leadership immersion. So our guest today is Laura McKinnis. She's a psychotherapist and a professional development specialist for TCN. Welcome, Laura. And also, Laura, also tell our audience, what do they need to know about you? Thanks so much, Chris. I'm happy to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm a psychotherapist. My background is in music therapy and counseling. I've been doing that for a little over 23 years now, which is hard to believe. In my private practice, I, um, I work with people just relevant to our topic today who are bombarded by our current 2022 world, which is full of trauma. Um, and also at TCN, I have the pleasure of supporting our hospice organizations, helping leaders to design a culture that supports this current overwhelm. So helping our organizations become more trauma informed. Thank you, Laura. Well, you know, we were kind of ahead of our time. You were one of our very first podcast guests in 2021. And you know, we were already, we're starting to see some signs of this is different. This is not just stress that people are dealing with. And in fact, um, you had a really cleverly um, titled, our, our podcast together was Imagine That Pain Is The Doorway. And close to that time, our good friend John Locke did um, From Burnout to Breakthrough. Um, we had Dr. Kanagante uh, and just several folks is helping talk about, look, folks are going through a really tough time here. And earlier this year, I had Quint Studer and Quint said something that was just very profound to me. He said, something has really shifted. And now mental health tools in your toolbox as a leader is essential skills. And Laura, I love you. You have a great term. You say sometimes people call this stuff woo-woo. And it's no longer woo-woo. It's now essential skills. And so we're hearing this word more and more that what people are dealing with is trauma. So let's just start there. What is trauma? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the last time we talked, we were defining trauma as an event that puts us past our tipping point of what we can process. And today I'm excited to go dive a little bit deeper into this. So just to set the stage, when we're talking about trauma, we, we can look at it. We can look at it from two angles. We can look at it from the event that causes it, or we can focus on how we respond to trauma. So relevant to our day-to-day, -day, we can look at how we can know if someone around us is dealing with trauma. 
there are uh, four primary trauma responses, which they're, it's better maybe to call them protective responses because they're, they're meant to help us. They're meant to help keep us safe in a state of emergency. And most folks know at least a couple of them, but the four primary ones are fight, flight, freeze, and appease. Just to put this into context to, um, to paint a picture, let's say I'm being chased by a grizzly bear, one that's hungry, maybe even hangry. And this bear is coming after me and that emergency might cause me to go into a, it might cause me to fight. It might cause me to flee, which is that flight response. It might cause me to freeze or appease is one that maybe people are a little less familiar with. So let's say the bear is running towards me and my car is there. Everything important in my life is in that car. It's all there and the doors are open. The bear's running towards me and the car. I might appease the bear and let that bear go in and destroy everything that's important to me in my car in order to keep me safe. So that's kind of a, just to help define those four. Now, the thing about these responses is they're meant to be PRN. They are not meant to be part-time. They are definitely not meant to be full-time. So if I use it, if I use these responses in a part-time capacity and they're, they work and keep me safe, then most likely I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be able to go on about my life. That's where these statistics come from that, you know, you'll read that 6% of people that go through a traumatic event develop PTSD symptoms. However, this is not what we're, this is not the scenario that we're seeing in our healthcare system right now. And this is one that I get excited to talk about. So aside from one triggering event, there's this other scenario in which our protective responses come out regularly in response to ongoing stress. Maybe, so maybe it's not a grizzly bear. Maybe it's due to the daily impact of a global pandemic. Maybe it's due to daily social and racial injustice. Maybe it's due to daily, um, to watching daily relentless violence. You'll hear people refer to these, um, to this type of response or these traumas as small T traumas. And small T traumas are events that they are not life, they might not be life or death in the moment, but when I sustain them again and again and again, then collectively they can instill in me a sense of helplessness. When we endure these persistent small T traumas, and what, what happens inside our body is that our protective trauma responses get triggered and our body starts to see these as normal. And we can really think about the implications of this. This is what we're seeing now that so many people in healthcare and beyond, but we're talking about healthcare, are stuck in these protective responses thinking it's just, you know, a normal day. And so it, it's important to look at that difference. So it feels like you've really been touching upon how it is or could impact someone, but just unpack it a little bit more. How is it impacting our healthcare workers today? In fact, you and I were talking about what to title it. And I think we're going to title our podcast today because I'm actually hearing this in a lot of just different Zoom calls. I'm worried about my staff and is there something I can do? And so I think leaders are seeing that there's something different here. So how is it impacting the healthcare workers? Yeah. Or showing question. up. So yeah, great question. So we can think about, yeah, because our brains might be thinking about these trauma responses with a picture or scenario of me running from a bear, but that's not, of course, happening in our healthcare. So let's look at some 
behaviors that show up in our day-to-day work workplace with all these responses. So if I'm a person who is stuck in that fight protective response, then you might notice, you might think of me as controlling. You might even have that iconic um, image of a bully. You might, you know, think of me as narcissistic. I might have outbursts. Um, And this is not me deciding to do these things. It sort of, you know, seems more reactive. So that's that fight, fight response. The flight one's pretty interesting as well, that the way that it shows up. So think about the flight is that I'm fleeing from all the stuff that I can't handle dealing with. And so in order to flee from that at work, I'm going to become a workaholic. I'm going to work all the time. I'm going to be thinking all the time. I likely have a lot of anxiety. I may or may not show that to you on the outside. It may come out, but it, it, it also may be really um, inside. I might have difficulty sitting still. You might think of me as someone who's really into perfectionism. So that flight is really fleeing from those things that we are um, that are too overwhelming for us to process. So we're going to fill it in with a lot of other stuff. Um, the freeze response, you might, if I'm in that response, then that might show up at work by me um, appearing stuck or maybe even dissociated. Like um, I might have difficulty making decisions. I might present um, as numb. Sometimes, you know, you can get that sense of somebody who's just not very connected to what's going on. And then the appease, um, we see a lot of this as well. And that might look like, back to our bear example, the people pleaser, you know, go ahead and take whatever you need from me. I I likely don't have good boundaries if I'm stuck in this response. Um, Again, I'm probably overwhelmed, but you may or may not see that. I might just be making your life super easy. And then it almost seems like I don't even have an identity. So we can start to see, oh, do I notice these in other people? Do I notice them in myself? Because again, they're not, it's not like we wake up in the morning and say, today I'm going to go into work and I'm going to freeze all over the place. (laughs) It's not a conscious decision. It's really a lower brainstem um, reaction. It's like people are being hijacked. And Laura, I'm I'm thinking about probably some of the leaders listening to this and say, okay, I am seeing some of this, but maybe I just want to dismiss this. But you and I were talking before the show the statistics are showing this is climbing. Can you just share a little bit more with folks about like what the statistics are? Sure. Yeah, you can find, um, as with statistics, you can find lots of numbers, <laughs> but um, we're seeing now 60 to 70% and climbing. Um, you know, we we don't need to look at trauma here as something that we we have or don't have, like like a disease, you know, we can look at trauma, these responses, they're innate, they're inside of all of us. And most people agree that these responses are showing up much more often when we start to look at it in our healthcare workforce. This might be one of the reasons that certain people start to go into work and then turn around and just can't do it anymore. You Mm -hmm. know, this might be one of the reasons why there's a feeling of stuckness where we know that we've got this problem, but we just can't move through it because these protective trauma responses are, like you said, hijacking our ability to even use our executive functioning in all the ways that we want to. Well, let's go now to, so how do folks heal? How do we help them get beyond this? That's a great question. Um, And I think people are, um, I'm grateful that I'm hearing more conversations about this. 
one thing that strikes me as I look around about what people are trying to do here is it almost seems like we're trying to solve a 2022 issue with 1990s techniques. Now, I can remember in the 90s that push for positivity that mm -hmm. we could, we were learning, it was more mainstream, you know, we can become empowered by it. We can choose to go that route. Um, in 2022, there's a growing um, idea in which I support that we need to push for authenticity. So instead of pushing positivity, we need to push for authenticity, authenticity because when it comes to us feeling safe and worthy as humans, we need all of those feelings to be valid. We need to really recognize that we don't just need to look at, look at one side of things. So that's something that a lot of people are talking about. Maybe thinking about specifics, um, it's even important to get to know the difference between stress and trauma because a lot of our healthcare systems are um, treating uh, stress and trauma as the same, and they're very different. Mm -hmm. So we can think about stress as being overloaded. There's varying degrees of that. You know, I might have a lot going on. I might be, oh, up to my max. It's, I'm overloaded. Trauma, we can think about that. I'm overwhelmed. I'm past that tipping point on the one to 10. So, you know, if our idea of staff support is designing you know, webinars when talking about positivity and resiliency, we're likely addressing stress, not trauma. Um, so we can really think about how we're designing these supports. And we are seeing more and more organizations are starting to be moving in a direction that um, is really more trauma informed. One of the things that goes along with that, with that angle is this idea of transparency. So I think this is so interesting that if we think about 60 to 70% of our staff in our organizations are working hard to get through their days and they might be in these trauma responses. Then let's think about the leaders of the organizations and they're not, if they're not talking about and modeling how they get through their days, if they're somehow unicorning themselves to say, oh, I'm not, that's not my human experience. Like I just show up and I'm not, I'm not in that with you. Then who is helping to support this paradigm shift, you know, and, or maybe these same leaders are not getting through their days well at all, but they're coming in and putting on masks and pretending that, that they are. And we're hearing from people that, you know, we can see through that. We can, we can feel the difference. Um, I will often hear people say, I don't know how my leader does it. You know, we, we have a huge opportunity for a change here due to the amount of overwhelm and, and protective trauma responses that so many staff are, are working with each day. So it becomes, you know, wow, I'm learning from my supervisor, my leader, or whatever term you want to use there. I'm learning that, man, if I don't take that walk, that it has a huge impact, even small things. Like I'm not even talking about going to therapy and healing the wounds here. I'm just talking about doing the things that we know we need to do in order to support us living in this environment. So it, it's kind of like a, you know, newsflash that anxiety, depression, disconnection, they're not rare psychological disorders. These are common experience, you know, common experiences for most Americans right now in varying degrees. But for some reason, there's still a huge 
there's a stigma, right, in our healthcare organizations, even in 2022. And sometimes that boggles my mind because I feel like we're not really recognizing our reality, you know? So it's all, it's all very interesting. When I think about transparency, that work that's so powerful, one of the things that I ask people when I'm working with their organization is what might happen if that transparency veil was lifted in your organization? Meaning, what if there was some more acknowledgement of the stuff that we are, everyone's pushing down or everyone's pretending like is not there and, but we're all dealing with it. And people, I allow them to answer anonymously, but the responses are really powerful. You know, people share, there would be a sense of freedom. I'd be able to actually be myself and get more work done. There'd be more trust. There'd be more unity. There'd be less division, more, more energy. This list goes on and on. So, you know, there might be this idea of like, oh, crap, or, you know, do we have to make our meetings therapy sessions now? But that's absolutely not what needs to happen. What, what it looks like is let's use staffing crisis as an example that might be relevant to a lot of folks. Um, it means that if your director meetings are always about the staffing crisis, then the leader of that meeting is open and aware of the impact that that high level of persistent anxiety has on each person person showing up in in dealing with it day after day after day. So instead of pretending like that anxiety doesn't exist, in one sense, it's invited into the space. It's out in the open. So problems will still be solved. However, now all key players are present. So just because we push down or pretend the anxiety away um, does not make it go away. And it's actually, we're learning pretty ineffective. Yeah. So all of these ideas are um, showing up more and more. And I can add one more that is coming to my mind right now that um, this principle of the impact of and. Lots of people talk about this in different ways. That's just what I call it. But the idea is that we are living with these heightened protective trauma responses and we are most supported when we are able to see both the trauma triggers or what's hard and our supports. So many organizations nowadays are promoting resilience and positivity, which is wonderful. However, in a state of trauma, so think back to the bear, if the trauma triggers are not acknowledged, then positivity can start to be perceived as toxic. Sometimes I'll use the phrase, when you're running from a bear, you're not planning a party. You know, when you're running from a bear, you're pretty much running from the bear. So if you're working with someone who's telling you, look on the bright side, when you're running from the bear, we can kind of see how that doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. And that, that really hits me, Laura. And I think back over my career, I mean, I've always generally been a pretty positive person and it's probably been one of my go-to tools in the toolbox. And it, it just, it's, the time is different and it's requiring a different set of skills. And that's what I love what you're doing is you're providing to leaders here. These are very nece- necessary um, and very practical, important tools. I was reading just the other night and I asked you if I should weave this in. And you said, yeah, certainly about the Stockdale paradox. Cause it's one that I'd heard of before. And it just, it just, it kind of hit me out of the blue. Like I need to go back and read about the Stockdale paradox and to me, it speaks to what you're you're saying. And maybe for some more business-minded leaders, this will resonate quickly. Remember the story of Admiral Stockdale. He was 
uh, in captivity during the Vietnam War. And so he said um, the optimists, they were the ones that said we're going to be out by Christmas and then Christmas would come and Christmas would go. And they were the ones that died off um, or we're going to be out then by Easter and Easter would come and go and then by Thanksgiving. And then they died of a broken heart, he said. He said the important lesson here is you must never confuse faith with the fact that you will prevail at the end. There's a tenacity there, um, which you can never afford to lose. The discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. And so that to me maybe is another facet of what you're saying. Like we keep saying transparency. I think sometimes as leaders, oh my gosh, it sounds like they're getting very negative and they're bringing up all the bad stuff. I mean, we teach organizations start with work, what's working well in a one-to-one. But that doesn't mean you stifle people and be able to be authentic, be transparent. And if leaders were just very one-track minded and not present in the moment, might go, oh, stifle that. That's sounding like negativity. With, you know, energy bus, let's be positive here. Um, it's going to have very bad repercussions, especially for people dealing with trauma. And that's why I loved rereading the, the Stockdale Paradox. Imagine that was a very traumatic experience. And it was the people who were the most transparent, authentic, and almost um, very pragmatic about it, they were the ones that survived that. And so I, I feel like that's what you're poking on as well. So, or final thoughts that you want to leave listeners with. Yeah, sure. So um, the CDC uh, has put out these six principles if organizations want to want to dive deeper into, uh, into this idea of becoming <clears throat> trauma-informed. And we won't talk about them today, but I'll just name them. They are safety is the first one, then trustworthy trustworthiness and transparency. The third one is peer support, then collaboration and mutuality, <clears throat> then empowerment, voice and choice. And then the last one is cultural, historical and gender issues. And one thing I will say about this is that what we have noticed as we worked with organizations is they might say, oh yeah, we create safety. You know, we have all these things, but really when you start to look into the mechanisms of what these are poking at, like, do I create safety where people can tell me what they're uh, frustrated with, even if it has to do with me? Or do I create, create safety as long as people are telling me I'm doing a good job and we're all, we're all moving in the same direction? So really, these can seem kind of surfacey if you read through the list, but if you dive in, um, most organizations in 2022 have quite a bit of, quite a bit of work to do um, in that. Laura, I've asked a question and uh, you and I did talk beforehand uh, about a few people like what books are you reading or maybe your favorite book. So I asked you, and I'm like, okay, that's definitely relevant. So what would you want to share there about what you might be reading or um, favorite book? Yeah, well, I laughed when you asked me that question because I'm usually reading four or five books about trauma and they might not feel like super fun reads for people. But one book that I'm reading right now is called um, The Clinical Applications of Polyvagal Theory. And this one's relevant because the polyvagal theory explains how our nervous system responds to trauma and ongoing stress. It, it really highlights the biological processes that go on if I don't feel that psychological safety and and it shows all the ways that i will begin to mentally shut down it shows how i will slowly slowly disconnect and we're seeing so much of that 
occur in our healthcare today. So that one feels relevant. And, and, and also, again, you, can you say your term? So Laura, people just might go, but Laura, do we really have to pay attention to this? What's your term for that? Woo woo. Yeah. This, yeah. <laughs> that I mean, book sounds like it's saying is this is not woo woo. This is science. This is the science is proving that this is something we have to be aware of. This is absolutely not going away. It's here. So we, again, we can close our eyes to it and pretend. Sometimes I like that analogy of like, I've never been on a tightrope, but I know people that have, and the pull is really helpful. However, if you close one eye when you're walking with the pole, what happens? You're likely to fall. You need, it's kind of like that vision of the eagle, but a little bit of a different spin, but you need to see on both sides. And we're seeing in our hmm. organizations that we're doing this work with that when people do this work and those protective trauma responses get quiet or they quiet down, we're seeing a new level of hope. We're seeing more energy to do the work. So all these things that affect the bottom line and affect the mission of what our organizations are committed to are directly impacted by our ability to become trauma. -informed. That's great. So Laura, folks want to just learn more or like I need access to you and the work that you do. How can they get in touch with you? I, yeah, definitely reach out. Go, you could go to our website um, that you mentioned earlier, teleos, T-L-E-I-O-S-C-N.org. Um, reach out and contact us. We, we are definitely passionate about this topic at TCM because we see the relevance and it, it might be innovative now. It won't be for long. It is becoming very, very necessary. So um, that would be a great way for folks to reach out. Perfect, Laura. Well, Laura, thank you. And thank you for the work that you're doing. And as always, I want to leave our listeners with a quote at the end. And I think this one is very relevant to what we're talking about today. It's from one of our favorite authors, probably one of Laura's favorite authors, Brene Brown. A crisis highlights all of our fault lines. We can pretend that we have nothing to learn, or we can take this opportunity to own the truth and make a better future for ourselves and for others. Thanks for listening to TCN Talks.